I'd like to, for us to open our Bibles to Matthew 6 this morning. This passage here follows the Lord's Prayer very closely. And I've titled the message, The Beauty of the Moment. might seem a bit of a strange title to you, but hopefully you'll understand by the by the end of the message. I'd like to read, so Matthew 6, read verse 24 through uh, the end of the chapter. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither get nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in his glory, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Wow, that's a difficult passage, at least for me. You know, I'm going back up there taking thought of taking uh thought of you know getting a little bit of growth I did uh, just this thought just came to mind no one can add a cubit to his stature I remember back when when uh, George Bush senior uh, was campaigning against Michael Dukakis remember one thing that Mike uh, remember one thing about Michael Dukakis he was a little bit shorter and so to um, to to when he when he entered the debates with George W why or the elder George, he, uh, he he had special shoes made to, to add a little bit of stature to kind of get him up there a little bit. Give him a little more, maybe take away George Sr.'s advantage. Well, he didn't really, you know, add stature. He just added a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, substance under his, under his feet. Um, and yet I'm looking at this. It says, take no thought. For the morrow, and uh, just thinking, you know, just yesterday I must have broken this commandment at least a gazillion times. Just thinking of this message, I mean, you know, take no thought for the morrow, and readying myself for today. Um, how do we put this together? And I'm not, you know, trying to make light of the scripture. Jesus wasn't just rambling here. He wasn't just telling stories and. You know, saying, "Well, this is kind of a good idea." I think he really, he really meant it. Uh, he spoke with divine power, with authority and wisdom. So, what did so what did he mean? 
I wonder if the, the, the NIV, I think, puts it a little better. It says, don't worry. Do not worry. I was looking, I didn't take a lot of time to look at their origin of, of the word take no thought. But the, the, what I did look up, it, it, it did make a lot, uh, it did compare much more closely to the, the idea of worry than it did to not taking any thought. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take that the NIV and, and go with that. I, I think that that makes a lot more sense because even Jesus took thought for the morrow. Um, you know, if we if we didn't take any thought, you know, it would would that mean that we wouldn't plan for the future? We wouldn't send our children to school. We wouldn't be concerned about the mortgage. We wouldn't be scheduling our next work week. We wouldn't be bothering, you know, with some Wednesday evening programs. We wouldn't be doing the wash. You know, we wouldn't be looking for bargains and clothing at the department store and at garage sales um, for a family. You know, if, if there was no thought, it, it would kind of give the impression that, that we just wake up and go out and pick bananas and, and uh, you know, go back to bed again by the time the evening came around and... and there was, you know, we really didn't need to do anything more than, than that. But God did put, you know, part of the part of the curse was that um, Adam needed to go out in the field and, and work the field by the sweat of his brow, and obviously that's, <clears throat> you know, to plant, to put out seed and to gather and so forth. That takes that takes some thought. So I really do think Jesus was talking about this element of worry, and I'd like to explore that some more. I would like to think, though, of Jesus yet a bit. You know, when he was in when he was in uh, agony there, the night before uh, the crucifixion, it says he was in anguish. In Luke twenty two forty four, it says, "In being in anguish." He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling into the ground. Now there was an anguish there. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, he, 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 didn't, he didn't just peacefully sleep that night uh, saying whatever happens tomorrow happens. He, he, it was a real, uh, a real uh, feeling there that he in a real striving there that he was going through, and we could say that Jesus, you know, the thought he was taking there was a that anguish was he was looking at an entirely different level than what we look at. But um, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to completely separate ourselves from that. We we too face uh, big things, and we too face. Uh, sacrifices and so forth uh, that we need to need to carefully think through. I do believe that again Jesus said what he meant or meant what he said, said what he meant. And I'm not, you know, when I read through this, I'm not sure that I completely understand it, but I, I think there are some some foundational pieces that are coming together for me in this passage. Um, as as I mature in my Christian life and as I understand things better, I know that maturing is slow and it's painful, but you know it, it seems like there's there's 
there are things in this passage here um, where Jesus is, is addressing our, our uh, that element of, of worry and, and concern and so forth that as I, as I learn to know him better are, are becoming more understood. And so I'd like to, I'd like to focus on, on those. Principle number one that I believe is here is, is to serve Christ and not money or things. And that's, a, that's very clear in verse 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or God and things or God or anything else or people. So, so that's first and foremost is, is that we're to serve God and that's above all. Principle number two be extremely careful. And this, be extremely careful not to make commitments or to take unnecessary obligations that will cause us undue worry. And I'm speaking to myself. If this morning, if at any time you feel like your toes are getting stepped on, don't don't uh, fault me for it. I've I've feel like I've pulverized mine as I've gone through this. So. Uh, um, this is this is scripture, and I think God wants the, and I believe that God wants the best for us. Be extremely careful not to make commitments or take on unnecessary obligations that will cause us undue worry. Spending time in anguished prayer prior to making a commitment is worthwhile and may save us a lot of anguish afterwards. And this applies to every aspect of our life, not just financial decisions. It can be. A relationship decision. It can be, um, you know, there, there's so many decisions. It, but I think it's so important that we spend time in anguish. And that may be too strong of a word, but uh, maybe not. Spend really uh, honest and introspective time in, in prayer before we make decisions. Principle number three. Christ wants us to realize and that's where the message title comes from, the beauty of, of the moment, the beauty of today, the beauty of our, where we're at right now. He wants us to responsibly sing our part in the chorus or in the choir and not try to be the chorus or choir director. He wants us to fully trust Him. Again, I'm impressed with Luke twenty-two forty-four. 44. Uh, Christ, you know, when facing the ultimate sacrifice he was giving his life. He, it says he was in anguish and he prayed the more earnestly. He didn't run away from God. He didn't try to run and hide like Jonah did. He drew near to God. He pulled in and he prayed the more earnestly. I'm sure this morning there are many people here that are praying the more earnestly. There's spiritual needs. There's health needs, financial difficulties, job decisions, relationship issues. And you could add to the list according to the need you're facing. And as long as we're seeking first the kingdom of God and we're drawing close to Christ, that concern is right. That praying the more earnestly, that anguish that we may be feeling is 
good if we're directing it toward God, if we're directing it toward um, finding the will of God. Are all of you able to hear me? I want to make sure of that this morning. We've heard some complaints about not being heard, so we want to make sure that we're addressing those. Okay. Um, so seeking first the kingdom of God, is this is right. And the result, in the end, Jesus wants us to be able to rest. He wants us to be able to be peaceful in His providence. To, to be able to just to, to lay ourselves down in His providence and, and rest our souls. That might sound kind of idealistic, but it's possible. I believe it. I've experienced it. Uh, and I know that that there can be difficult things and more difficult things than I've faced or than we've faced. Um, but I believe that that when we're we truly give ourselves up to to God and, and bring that anguish to Him, that He He brings us rest. He enables us to rest. And and when we get to that point, we're enabled to to take advantage of the beauty, every moment that of beauty that that Christ brings into our lives. An outstanding example of this again is is Esther Yoder this morning. You know she's not she didn't wake up her from her stroke, cursing you know God that she wasn't able to to move. You know the what is the left side of her body? Um, she woke up thanking God and uh, you know uh, having having verses read to her and uh, in a in a voice of praise, a note of praise in her voice. Um, you know that's that's an outstanding example of of what Christ can do for us when we when we really. Give ourselves up to Him. So thinking a bit about the moment, what is the moment? We want to be able to enjoy the beauty of today, of this time right now. So let's focus on the moment a bit. What about relationships? Let's think about that. Follow me as we go through this. The, the relationships. First of all, a relationship with God, time with God. That's a moment that's really, really important for the rest of our moments to fall into place. Time with God, time with our families, our spouse, our children, our parents, and so forth. <clears throat> and then maybe it's the time that's, that's with those we're involved with in, in, the, in the workforce. Or in the marketplace, or maybe it's I have a friend who uh, who's really challenged other people, myself included, to to not see telemarketers as a as a nuisance, but to see them as a captive audience. You know, to witness to them when they call. <clears throat> I haven't done so well with that, but I do try to at least convey uh, a note of. You know, not to, not to, he's at least helped me not to um, hang up on them in, in a disgusted way like I'd like to sometimes. 
Um, and I do pray that if God wants me to reach out to a telemarketer, that I, that I would do that. But I think what's so important here is that we, that we understand that moments that God brings into our lives with, with anyone, with, in devotions, with time with our family, in the marketplace or anything else, that we take advantage of those, pick them up, that we understand that God has put those in our lives. Um, so I'd like to start here with, the, with time with God, thinking of that a bit. How can we make a spiritual moment worthwhile? <clears throat> First of all, really be involved. Really be involved. Malachi 1 uh, verse 1 through 10. Read these verses. He talks about this, how that we can easily go through emotions and not, but not be involved, not really be into it. And I'd like to read these verses. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar and say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say the table of the Lord. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And then his answer is, and that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This, has, this hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle a fire on on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. The Lord was here obviously displeased when he saw his people just going through emotion. They were coming to the, they were coming to the temple. Maybe they were coming together for their feast and so forth, but they were just putting a very low priority on their, on their um, worship services. Um, they were bringing the lame animals and so forth. And, and obviously God was not pleased with that. He was wanting their best and they were giving um, just some sort of token. <clears throat> what about us? How does, you know, I've, I've had to wonder how many times would God uh, talk to me exactly like he talked to the people there uh, through Malachi? You know, would your governor really be pleased with the attention that you're giving me? Would uh, your building official be pleased with the attention that you're giving me? Would, you know, the people that, would your client be pleased with the attention you're giving me? Um, you know, how do, what kind of attention do we give to God? Are we bringing our best to God or are we bringing the poor and the lame and whatever's left over? What about our time of preparation for worship? Do we come bringing our best? Or would God be displeased with our offering of, of preparation for worship? You know, really being involved requires sacrifice. It requires an offering in our part. And, and the truth is, is that if we sow little, we'll reap little in this area. If we come to God, if we come to worship, 
having sown little, uh, we'll reap little. We can't expect otherwise. And if we sow abundantly, we can expect to reap abundantly. If we really put ourselves into it. We come to our devotional time um, you know, allocating enough time for us to get our mind off of other things and, and uh, <clears throat> getting involved in the Word, taking time to pray. Um, I think we have a lot. We can expect a, a good result. What about family relations? How can we make those worthwhile? I don't know how it is for all of you, but I know many of you are, many of us here are, um, are younger, have families, have a lot going on. And uh, we're trying to provide. Some of us are a little bit older now. Maybe things have slid down a bit. Um, maybe it's not so difficult anymore. I don't know. I don't know where you're at exactly, but I do know life is very busy. How can we somehow bring uh, bring good moments, make for bring an atmosphere for good moments into our family relationships, moments that are worthwhile? I believe to be really involved is is so important. In, in family relationships and with fathers with their children, mothers with their children. You know, for the, the, today, we've, it's become so easy to, to multitask, to bring our offices home, to take our offices to wherever we go because of our, our uh, availability to the internet, to Android devices, to, to Apple devices. We can move around. And it makes, in many ways, it makes life simpler because a father can be with the children and not at the desk. Uh, at the same time, we can also, if we lack discipline, we can also bring the offices, bring our work into our home in such a way that, that uh, maybe our family doesn't have all of us any of the time. And that's something that I'm concerned about and I think that we as fathers should be concerned about. Multitasking is, is a good thing to know, but it, it's also, you know, studies show that multitasking can degenerate the quality of, of whatever we're working on. It can, it can uh, of course, you know, texting and driving, that's multitasking and studies show and I guess uh, funeral business would show that it's not a not a good practice. It's it it uh, degenerates your ability. It limits your ability to drive, really in a good way. A business owner related to me recently. We were talking about the complications of, of modern the modern workplace and how that the mobile workplace is. You know, while it has its benefits, it also has its downfalls and he related to me how that when he goes on vacation his wife take, takes control of the phone uh, she lets him have it an hour each morning and uh, it's a deal they reached uh, they're, priori they're prioritizing their time <clears throat> I 
The wife didn't want him checking his emails, his messages, and taking phone calls the whole time they're out. So that was the deal. She got his phone 23 hours out of the day. The husband didn't want to come home to a potential bloodbath because he was, you know, owner of, of the business and didn't want his employees not to be able to reach him anytime and didn't want his clients not to be able to reach him anytime. So he set up a, he prioritized his time. He talked with his customers and his employees and told them, you know, he'll have an hour between 7 and 8 in the morning that they can get a hold of him and that he'll answer emails. Otherwise, he's out of communication. And he said it works. Uh, he said it's, it's made so that everyone can be happy. His wife has the rest of his day and she doesn't get up before 8 o'clock anyway. So it works out well. Well, um, you know, sometimes that's what we need. We just need to, to figure out what works. Uh, but it's important that we do figure out what works. Have a plan to deal with the, the priorities. Uh, you know, not working on a plan can result in... in in a bad situation. One of the one one of one of uh, I read a story on on Facebook that that I'm going to share here, and it it was there was a similar strain going through my mind because we we've, we've been uh, trying to deal with the wonderful world of communication and of networking and so forth and trying to make so it doesn't consume our lives and yet take advantage of it. And I read this story, and it's kind of a, it's the kind of story you don't like to read, but I think it well illustrates what can happen when, when we don't uh, when we don't prioritize our time. Dear Mom on the iPhone, I see you over there on the bench messing on your iPhone. It feels good to relax a little while while your kids have fun in the sunshine, doesn't it? You're doing a great job with your kids. You work hard. You teach them manners and have them do their chores. But mama, let me tell you what you don't see right now. Your little girl is spinning round and round, making her dress twirl. She is such a little beauty queen already. The sun shining be behind her long hair. She keeps glancing your way to see if you're watching her. You aren't. Your little boy keeps shouting, Mom, Mom, watch this. I see you acknowledge him barely glancing his way. He sees that too. His shoulders slump, but only for a moment, and he finds the next cool thing to do. Now you're pushing your baby in the swing. She loves it, cooing and smiling with every push. You don't see, the, you don't see her, though, do you? Her head is bent. Your eyes on the phone as you absently push her swing. Talk to her. Tell her about the clouds, Mommy, the Creator who made them. Tickle her tummy when she says... When she comes to you, enjoy that baby belly laugh that leaves far too quickly. Put your eyes back on your prize, your kids. Show them that they're the priority wherever you are. Be all there. I'm not saying it's not okay to check your phone, but it's a time sucker. Use, user beware. I'm sorry, the print just didn't show up very well on this paper. Playtime at the park will be over before you know it. The childhood of your children, the childhood of your children will be gone before you know it. They won't always want to come to the park with you, Mommy. They won't always spin and twirl to make their new dress swish. They won't always call out, watch me. There will come a point when they stop, try, stop trying, stop calling your name, stop bothering to interrupt your phone time, because they know 
You've shown them all these moments the phone is more important than they are. They see you looking at it while waiting to pick up brother from school during playtime at the dinner table at bedtime. I know that it's not true, Mommy. I know your heart says differently, but your kids can't hear your words, Mommy. Your actions are screaming way too loudly. May our eyes rest upon those we love first and foremost, and may everything else fall away at the wonderful, in the wonderful, noisy, sticky-fingered glory of it all. I thought that was pretty well written and pretty well shows what we don't want to happen with our family and our children. Um, and, and it it really you know, has a way of you know, pricking my, uh, my uh, conscience. You know, what are my children seeing? What are they, are they finding? Are they thinking that, you know, <clears throat> that phone, that, that uh, those emails, those whatever communication are more important than them? Or, or where, what, are their time, what are they feeling about me? Well, I would say create spots for your family's and spots for moments in your family's schedule that are sacred. And when I say sacred, I mean just that, sacred. That, you know, something uh, that has to be equally sacred, um, that it takes something equally sacred to disrupt. <clears throat> of course, God can, God always has the, the, um, the option, prerogative, to interrupt our sacred moments even. Um, but we can create, we can tear our schedules so that there are sacred moments. Moments when, when uh, other interests can't penetrate. We as a family came up against this sometime not too long ago. Uh, we have multiple electronic devices in our homes. Um, if you have more than two, that makes it multiple, right? Three? Uh, we may have a few more than that even, I'm not sure. But <clears throat> at, some point, at some point, not too long ago, um, we as a family figured out that it's not just not the same for us um, in the evening, sitting around or whatever, when there's different people involved in their devices. Computer, uh, phone, and uh, it came to a head, and we had a long family discussion about this, um, about our feelings about it, and so forth. And we came to the conclusion that evening time, from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, should be phone-free, laptop-free, and any other device-free time for the family. Now, that was us. That's just how we ended up feeling about it. Interestingly enough, for our family, uh, reading a book or magazines didn't raise any feelings of objection, really. That wasn't, didn't seem to be a problem. And that, that, this wasn't a decision just between my wife and I. This was involved our three, or at least our two oldest sons very much as well. Um, and I, I think it's important that we, we look at, you know, these things and make sure they're not making inroads into uh, our lives in a way that could rob us of really beautiful moments. So what can rob our moments? Lack of spiritual discipline. This kind of goes back there again, starting at the, at the beginning. 
what makes for good moments, it starts when we put God first, give Him time first. Not doing that, uh, failing in our spiritual discipline, you know, it lends to a warping of our attitude towards the moments that follow throughout the day. And I'm not trying to say that the only time you can have your devotions is in the morning. I don't feel that way, but I'm just saying we need to have a time that we can link back to and that gives us a foundation for the next 24 hours or next however long. 2 Peter 2.22, and I may be taking this scripture out of context, but uh, I don't think it's too far. It says, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Or as one preacher heard put it, to her wallowing in the mire. Um, you know, it, it is easy for us to, if we don't have a good discipline, a good spiritual discipline and foundation, it's easy for us to begin just kind of wallowing in the mire. We, we don't... We don't have a uh, a good foundation for for moving ahead, and we get caught up into whatever situation we're in, and we we don't have a, a way to uh, to move out of it, and to really sense, you know, what God's direction is. Moments in the Word give us a sense of purpose, and it gives give us a sense of resolve. Uh, David talks about this. Psalm 119.11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And this, because of God's word hid in his heart, you know, when he got into a situation, it was there and he could go back to it. And it told him, gave him a sense of direction how to move ahead. Another thing that can rob our moments of their beauty is lack of trust in Christ's providence believing that we have to set our own course, that we have to be a hold of the steering wheel. You know, it's right to have ambition and, and aspirations. Peter was running his own fishing operation when Jesus found him on the seashore there. Uh, Paul was deep in studying and he was diligent in what he believed God wanted him to do when Jesus blinded him there and got his attention on the Damascus road. I don't know what all the other disciples were doing when Jesus called them, but I don't believe they were sitting on a mountaintop doing yoga and waiting for you know, food and clothes to be dropped on them. I believe they were busy. They were, they were doing what they were called to do probably or, or what they knew to do at that point in time. And then Jesus called them to, to His service in a special way. What's noteworthy is that they were willing to give up what they were doing and follow Jesus. Uh, Peter was willing to drop his nets at some point and, and let that go <clears throat> and follow Jesus. And, and truth be told, it may not mean us dropping our nets. It may mean us picking up our nets to follow Jesus. It's God works different ways in, in every one of our lives. Now, I missed one little point that I wanted to bring out here about family creating spots for for uh, for family schedules. Uh, the the uh, 
scripture came to my mind where where God, where Jesus was was talking, was repeating what God had told Adam and Eve there in the in the garden. He says, "Therefore shall uh, a man." I'm not finding in my notes here. I don't know. My computer crashed last evening. I thought it had saved, but I don't. I don't find it here. But here shall a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. And I had to uh, to think, you know, that really, um, if God had meant for a man to leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, um, and you know they're supposed to be one unit, and theirs is theirs is supposed to be a sacred institution, really, then then certainly uh, he would find it, it would seem to be appropriate to say that we could leave social media and so forth and cleave to our families and, and be one unit. And certainly he would have meant that. We need, I believe, time. God knows that we need time of renewal. We need time when, when we can leave everything Put it to the side. Leave father and mother and brother and in-laws and social media and, you know, our clients' needs and so forth and just be together as a family unit. Certainly God knew that need as well, I think. That was a note that I think got lost in in the crash. But, okay, coming back again to... Coming back to, um, I would I'd like to narrow this down now. What about in a day? Practical ways of, of God of making moments beautiful. You know, just like setting a, a a schedule for a day. And I know different things would come to your mind when you think about this. How can we make sure that we make the most of the moments that we that we can do our part in making the moments beautiful that come into our day? And part of this is a reiteration um, of what was said. First of all, giving our first portion of the day to God. Beginning our day in anguish. Now that seems strong, but really, you know, imploring God's will and way in our lives for the day before we start it. um, So that we can celebrate the beauty of the rest of the day. So that we can be prepared for the beauty that will come you know, into our lives the rest of the day. Maybe God's going to be asking us to sing a minor note at some point during the day. And uh, if we're not prepared, we'll think, well, you know, that's, that's awful. I mean, you know, that's not beautiful. And we won't realize that, uh, that, you know, that minor note is really bringing a real beauty uh, in, into the chorus that God's placed us in. Trust. Having a trust in in God and His divine purpose. Establishing that. And then um, church. Um, I believe this is is a, a real important. I know we don't do this every day, but it is something we go back to. Um, I do. I I feel the need for that fellowship, that um, worship, 
with other believers. It's a huge part of my uh, encouragement. And I believe that, that we need to, to put a large priority on church. We read a lot about church in the Gospels. We read about it in Acts. And in Revelations, we read about the church triumphant, the fellowship there. It's God-ordained, and God knows we have need of it. Um, I think we do well to, to put a lot of priority there on church and, and understand that that will give us um, a foundation for enjoying the beauty God wants to bring into our lives. And then praise. Praising God. That's, that's another part, integral, key part to, uh, to realizing God's beauty, the beauty of, the, of today, the beauty of the moment. If we're not willing to praise or if we don't praise, we're missing out on, on, on a, a huge benefit. Um, you look at, read the Psalms and, and just all the praise that flows through there. And just in the natural world, the, the birds sing their songs. I think there's something about praising that brings that gratitude and helps us to realize the gratitude we should feel towards God into, into our souls and, and helps us be ready, give us an attitude, both spiritually and, and physically and in our mind of, 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 uh, of peace and of being able to, uh, to be prepared for the next thing God's going, the next moment God's going to bring our way. So taking this back again to the Scripture, the beauty of the moment, how does this all fit together? Worry not. I'd like to read this Scripture over quickly again in the NIV, just the, the last few verses. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you, given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did I answer all your questions about this passage? If you're like me, I still have questions about this passage. But I do believe that um, if we take these steps of, of uh, committing ourselves to God and of really... I think what Christ was teaching was He wants us to really appreciate what He is giving to us and, and appreciate whatever state we're, we're in to its fullest um, and, and not be absorbed with concern about how tomorrow may play out. Well, God bless you.